God is unchanging, because He's the source of absolute truth, He knows what's good for us. And He has graciously communicated that to us through His Word. So please listen now to God's holy and inerrant Word. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we have this day set aside to worship you. And in response to your grace, the grace that we have rehearsed so far this morning, we bring you these gifts, these tithes, and these offerings, asking that you would use them in order that your kingdom would be revealed, in order that darkness would be pushed back, in order that the wonderful good news of the gospel would be proclaimed to all. And Father, as we ourselves gather to hear the good news, we pray that you would make it real to us this morning. Uh, Father, we understand that we gather together as one body, but we all come come through these doors experiencing different things right now in our lives, that some of us come through these doors in desperate need of hope, and others find themselves anxious, others sorrowful, and still others excited to be here today, uh, feeling as though they, at this moment, are walking as closely with you as they have ever walked, and still others find themselves so comfortable in this life that they are unaware of their desperate need of you, and still others are angry and bitter. But, Father, our prayer this morning is, however we come, that you would speak to us all, that you would remind us that despite the varying differences among us, uh, at the core we are all the same, because we are all far more broken than we can imagine. And so we stand in need of the same thing. We need to hear the wonderful good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be reminded that though we are far more broken than we can imagine, because of Jesus and his person and work, we are also far more loved and far more secure, far more accepted than we could have ever dreamed possible. So our prayer as we come to your word is that you would allow us with the eyes of faith to see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Please be seated. This time, the children are dis- children ages three to six are dismissed to Children's Church, so you can make your way to the back of the sanctuary. <clears throat> We've been going through the Ten Commandments on Sunday mornings. Um, each week, we've been looking at a different commandment, and this week we come to the fifth commandment, which is about honoring our parents. And an obvious shift takes place uh, when we get to this command, but I, I do want to suggest in the beginning that the shift is not, is not nearly as dramatic as we make it sometimes. Um, see, commandments one through four, they are telling us how, how we are to honor God directly, 
right? We are, we are to honor him directly by having no other gods before him, by not taking his name in vain, by not worshiping images, by honoring the Sabbath day. In commandments 5 through 10, the shift takes place, and we are told here in these commandments how we are to honor God indirectly, by, by the way we treat those who are made in his image. And honoring parents tops the list of these commandments. As I was getting ready for this morning um, or earlier this week, I, I came up with eight different outlines <laughs> to preach this. And I don't want you to like panic where you're not getting eight sermons this morning, but, but I do want you to know that there are a lot of different angles that we could take in looking at this command. And I want to try this morning to take the, um, the simplest approach and really talk about the home. Um, and when we hear the word home, most of us get some kind of mental picture of a house in our minds, right? And maybe it's, maybe it's of our house or maybe it's of the house we dream of owning one day. Um, or maybe it's the dream of, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, maybe it's the dream of downsizing or upsizing or whatever. Um, but you know, we can think of a house in a particular neighborhood or section of town, a big yard, a picket fence, um, neighbors that are, are good, you know, fun, but not too loud, all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> I'm really sorry about this, uh, something in my throat. Um, <clears throat> but here's what I, w- I want to suggest to you this morning. Um, I don't think God cares really what your house looks like or what color your house is or whether it's brick and mortar or stucco or, or whatever, or how big your yard is or the square feet of your house or, um, or, 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 or the size of your flat screen that you have in your living room. Um, what God cares about is the home, not the house, right? And a home is not bricks and mortar. A home is not 12-foot ceilings um, and vinyl siding. A ho- the home is people. The home is about relationships, right? This is what God cares deeply about. So here's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to start really big in the first point, And then over the next two points, I want to kind of zoom in, right? It's like the Google Maps on your iPhone. We're going we're gonna to pinch it and zoom in as we go. So here, here's what I want us to do. Three points. I want us to talk about the design of the family. And then I want us to talk about the weightiness of parents and finally the honor of children to parents. So here they are. Design a family, the weightiness of parents, and the honor of children to parents. Even easier than that. What we're going to talk about is why, who, and what in these points. So first, the design of the family. What is the family after all, right? Why is it, why is the family so important? Lewis Smeads, the guy I put a quote uh, on the front of your bulletin. He gives this simple but I think helpful definition of the family. He says the family is a group of people bound together in a covenant of care for one another. The family is commitment, right? The family is stuckness, if you will. Um, It's lifetime loyalty to one another through thick and thin, binding, unconditional care for one another. And that's a very biblical definition of the family. And you see it all over the place. And it is opposed to the traditional 
and the modern views that we have of the family, right? See, the traditional view of the family is biology, genetics, bloodlines, right? And the modern view of the family says basically a family is whatever you want it to be. Um, And the biblical view is that no matter what, we are accountable to one another in the family, In a covenant, we are committed to one another's welfare, to one another's good, to one another's nurture. See, the modern view, which is the view of our contemporary culture, right, is it's this. Do not impose structure or demands. You have to let everyone be who they're going to be. Now, stay with me here because this is the 10,000-foot view here, and it might be a little, sound a little abstract at first. But C.S. Lewis, when he was writing about education in his book, The Abolition of Man, he wrote this. <clears throat> the task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate just sentiments. By starving the sensibility of our pupils, we only make them easier prey to the propagandist when he comes. Or remember the, that Aristotle guy, that old guy, like 300 B.C.'s philosopher, Greek guy? He said that the aim of education is to make the pupil, to make the pupil like and dislike what he ought. See... I know it's two quotes about education here, but I want you to get this. The structure and the demands of the family are what provide a context for irrigating deserts, right? For cultivating likes and dislikes in our children. God does, what I'm saying is God designed the family to shape us, to have a very real lasting influence on our lives. It's in the stuckness of the family, in the home, right, where our values, our loves, our likes and dislikes, they are guided, they are shaped, they are formed, they are channeled so that we learn to recognize beauty, so that we learn to recognize evil when it's in front of us, so that we know what to love, so that we know what to hate, so that we know what to like and dislike, so that we know in this life what is worth living for and what is worth dying for. And the implications of this are huge, not just for for your family, but for all of us, right? Children are to honor their parents in order, this is what the commandment says, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, the end of Exodus 20.12. And that little postscript to that command is why Paul calls this in Ephesians the first command with a promise. And the promise isn't so much dealing with long life in the amount of years necessarily, but it's saying that when parents aren't honored, when parents aren't honored, when the family crumbles, the world becomes unsafe to us, right? Society itself begins to break apart and our humanity is injured. Of all the institutions, God designed the family to be the most basic, fundamental, foundational building block of society. My son, William, and I, we love to watch. Our favorite channels are the Discovery Channel and the National Geographic Channel. Um, I could watch those channels all day with him. and They're coming out with these really great shows these days. But on this particular day, I don't think William was watching with me. But I saw this show 
about demolitions. And, and they're talking about all the different ways that buildings are demolished, right? And, and they're a few different ways, but obviously the best is when they use the explosions, right? Um, and I'm sure we, you've all seen footage of this before. 30-story building in the middle of downtown somewhere. It's slated for demolition. And so they come in, this crew comes in, and they set the charges in all the right places, you know, in the foundation and all those places where the building's weight is supported. So that when all these charges finally go off, there's this flash of light and a lot of dust and then the building, it doesn't fall to one side or the other when it's done rightly. In the middle of downtown, it just crumbles in upon itself in the midst of smoke and debris and all of that. The family is that fundamental. It's that foundational. Because failure in the family is the downfall of society and humanity. Look, you turn on your TV and watch the news, right? Or, or just watch the commercials. Um, and we are surrounded by a culture of narcissistic self-centeredness. We live in a culture of twisted sexuality. We are a culture of violence. We are a culture of empty materialism and impatience. We have to have it right now. We have, we've failed to irrigate deserts. Right, We failed to make our children like and dislike what they ought. And society, as a result, is unraveling before our eyes. More education and legislation aren't going to turn the tide here. God designed the family to be the answer. Because only in the stuckness of family, you begin to think about it, in a covenant of care, only there is patience really learned when you're stuck. Only there is unselfishness practiced out of necessity in a family. Only bound together like this are values and boundaries formed and shaped. Only in an unconditional covenant of care do children learn their true value and know that they are loved and have that kind of self-image going with them in life. It's in the family where it's safe to be broken because you are who you are, but they're stuck with you. And so in a family, that's where, you, that's where grace and mercy find concrete and tangible expressions. So I guess the first thing I'm trying to get across here is that this command, really, it, it only makes sense when you see and appreciate God's design for the family, the influence that he intends the family to have on your children, yes, but also all of society. Second, the weightiness of parents. And, and I'm sorry for the name of that point. Um, I'm not trying to make anyone insecure. Um, but may, it, it might help you remember this point. Because the Hebrew word that's translated honor uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it, it's the word kabod in the Hebrew. And that word means weight or heaviness, right? It, sometimes it gets translated glory in the Bible, right? Heavy, serious weighty importance. And God is saying in this command that in his design for the family, parents are to be treated with a weight of importance. You know, if you've ever heard someone say, you don't give me one ounce of respect. You know, what they're saying is you're not treating me like I matter. 
You're not, tr- you're not listening to me. You're not giving my words. You're not giving my opinions, my ideas a weight of importance. So God is saying, treat your parents with the weight of importance that is due to them. Now, listen, I think this point is going to go pretty quickly for us, and hopefully you understand why. Because our parents already necessarily have a weight of importance in our lives. I'm not saying that we treat them with a weight of importance. I'm saying that nothing has done more to shape you. Nothing has done more to form your character and your values than the influence of our of your parents. We talk about friends and peer pressure. That is nothing compared. That's just a big yawn compared to the influence that our parents have. And if you don't believe me, go home this afternoon and ask your spouse if he or she thinks your parents shaped you and in what ways. And then brace yourself for a very unpleasant conversation that is going to follow. It's huge. We are always either resembling or reacting against our parents. Our article in Psychology Today, Dr. Carl Pickert, I think is his name. Anyway, his opening words to this article is this. Children observe their parents more closely, appraise their parents more carefully, and know their parents better than parents do the child. How could it be otherwise? The positional power difference makes this inequality necessarily so. Now, I don't agree with everything he writes in this article, but he's making an important observation. Your children actually know you better than you know them. And that is terrifying. Because what are you communic- what are we communicating to our children when we claim to value grace and mercy and then we destroy people's reputations in our conversations with our friends? What are you communicating when you claim that God cares for and he provides for his children, but then you go out and worship the almighty dollar and seek your security in it? Here's a fun one in the fall. What is communicated when you claim to love and worship Jesus, but you cannot stay awake on Sunday morning because you stayed up way too late worshiping your football team last night? Go Tigers. I had to say it. I had to say it. Um, I mean, we could go on and on. What are you claiming or what are you communicating when you claim to love and guide and want to teach your children about Jesus, but you are so very anxious to turn their nurture over to someone else? We're starting to zoom in a little closer here, but Joy Davidman, C.S. Lewis' wife, wrote this. She wrote, once for all, if we wish our children to honor us, we must set the example of honor. And then she uncomfortably goes on. And just remember, I didn't say this. C.S. Lewis' wife said this, okay? Let us drop the pretense that a sane man can or should honor the dishonorable and love the unlovely. He must indeed love the sinner, but let him not forget to hate the sin. Let him not teach children to think that a petty tyrant is a good father, a drunken slut, a devoted mother. I, I didn't say that. She said that. Parents necessarily have a weight of importance in their children's lives. And we have to take care that they have something in us to honor. 
It's interesting, you know, that the Bible, it doesn't command children to have feelings of love for their parents. And the Bible doesn't always command children to obey their parents, right? Ephesians tells children to obey in the Lord. It's not to always obey in every circumstance. Listen again to the author of the quote on the front of your bulletin. He writes, This commandment ignores the warm affection all parents want from their children. It does not tell children to feel happy about their parents. It does not tell us to like being with parents on camping trips or to relish having them over for dinner. It does not encourage happy emotional relationships. All that it commands is honor. Nor does this commandment tell parents to honor their children. The child's own right to respect is not in view. We may agree that, a, that children deserve a sort of honor as precious human beings, but this commandment is not about our worth as individuals. It is concerned with family structure and the role of parents as teachers and leaders in the family. Honor parents. Treat them like they matter, like they have a weight of importance. Let me illustrate this. A couple of months after I moved to Memphis, um, I met someone for breakfast at the Blue Plate Cafe on Poplar. And when we were leaving and going up to the register to pay uh, after our meal, there were probably 15 people waiting in line to get in and get the next table. Um, And getting ready to uh, pay, I recognized the famous tennis player, Andy Roddick, standing there waiting for his table. And I have a lot of stories like this. I have a terrible track record for meeting famous people and what happens when I'm around them. But um, I just don't know how to do it. (laughs) So I walked up to Andy Roddick and I stuck out my hand and I said, aren't you Andy Roddick? And he said, yes. And I said, nice to meet you. I'm Nathan Turkwee. (laughs) Like he cared at all who I was, right? Um, So, uh, and then I said something really, really stupid like, you must be in town for that tennis tournament thing. I couldn't think of the name of it. And, uh, duh, uh, you know, well, good luck. And so I walked out, and I'm standing in the little awning uh, out in front of the restaurant, and I think to myself, my wife loves tennis. I need to go back and get his autograph. So I walked back in, and I said, hey, Andy, like we're on a first-name basis, you know, and said, hey, Andy, can I get your autograph? And as soon as I said it, I was like, I have neither pen or paper, and I just asked this man for his autograph. So I waited for the cashier to leave, and then I jumped behind her desk and stole a pen and a menu and had him sign that. And we'll get to stealing in a couple of weeks. But, you know, (laughs) I'm a little slow, okay? So I'm not even thinking about this until I get in the car. And then all of a sudden I start playing back what happened. I'm all by myself in my car, and I'm like really embarrassed. And I start to feel even shame over what just happened, right? Um, at the blue plate. And, uh, you know, I started thinking to myself, what should I have said? How should I have acted in front of all that kind of stuff? See, this is America, right? And if there's anyone we treat with a weight of importance in America, it's our celebrities. Just check your Facebook feed sometime. And see what we're concerned with. We honor them. We think about what to say to them. How we should speak to them, right? Uh, how we should talk in their presence. We pay close attentions, attention to the things that they do, right? We think about how we should act around them. God is saying in this command, children, 
Treat your parents like they matter, like they have a weight of importance, like it matters how you treat them and act around them and speak to them because they matter more than anyone else in your life. Prior to, prior to marriage and the creation of a new family, there is no one who shapes you more than your parents. Treat them with respect and honor with a weight of importance because God has given them a weight of importance. Okay, finally, we're going to zoom in real tight and talk about, about the honor of children to parents. And this is where I want to be hopefully very practical and spell out what it means. Uh, and we could do a lot more than this, but I want to give you five ways we need to honor our parents. Five applications of this command for you. First, I want to say this. We honor our parents with respect, okay? I realize that much of what we've said this morning flies in the face of Western individualism. And so I'm just going to keep on going with that. Respect for parents finds its basis in respect and honor for God, right? Here's why. No one gets to choose their parents. God is the one who gave you your parents, whether that was biologically or through the providence of of adoption, how do you talk to your parents, right? Do you roll your eyes at your parents? Do Do you even talk to your parents? And for some of us who are older and have moved out, do you call your parents and talk to them? How do you talk about your parents to other people? How do you treat your parents when you disagree with them? Young and old should respect their parents by asking advice from their parents and listening to them. In the way you talk and the way you listen, respect your parents and give them the weight of importance that God has given them in your life. Second, we honor our parents by growing up. Okay, The goal of parenting really is to raise your children to leave you um, to a place where they don't need you anymore. And, and I'm not trying to shame anyone in particular here, but having a lot of birthdays isn't necessarily a good measure of your maturity, right? When children refuse to grow up, when you're 35 years old or you're 50 years old or you're 60 years old, but you're acting like a 20-year-old, you, you, you are dishonoring everything your parents did for you, all their sacrifice for you, all their training, all their instruction. Children, heed the instruction of your parents who desire for you to grow up. Okay, but growing up, Right? It doesn't, mean this, it doesn't mean that we honor our parents by getting rid of them or casting them off. Third, we honor our parents when we care for them. We said earlier that the family is a people bound together right, in a covenant of care for one another. And something you should know about covenants, they stick for a lifetime. Okay? If you want to honor your parents, young or old, you have to ask yourself, what can I do for my parents? How do you serve and sacrifice for your parents and show them that they matter? Why not, this is a novel idea, why not remember your parents' birthdays and anniversaries? Because they remembered every single one of yours. Pray for your parents. Some of you need to tell your parents about Jesus. There are real challenges to growing old in a, in a world that's broken by sin but also in a culture that celebrates and worships youth. There are significant challenges. Uh, 
This is a big subject, but you, you and I need to think about how we will care for our parents in their old age. How will you burden yourself for them, often in the very same ways they burden themselves for you? Fourth, you honor your parents when you forgive them. Most of us got to college, some of us earlier, and some later, maybe when we got married. But somewhere in there, a part of, um, a part of becoming an adult was recognizing and the realization that your parents did not love you well all the time. Right? And some parents, I understand, did a better job than others. But all of our parents failed us. And you are going to fail your children too. Right? In many ways, the parents God calls us to honor, they will wound us. And they have let us down. And they will hurt us. And they will disappoint us. This is probably very hard for some of us. Because we have held on to the bitterness and the disappointment so long that it's almost become like a security blanket to us. And we don't know how to, how to live without it. And it's warping us. And it's ruining us. See, there's a danger in not being honest about the brokenness and the reality of the brokenness of our parents. But there's also a danger in nursing bitterness against your parents. And the only way forward, I'm saying, is through grace and mercy. Honor your parents by forgiving them. They failed you. All right, fifth application, this last one. Trust your father. This is... This is not only the final application, this is how we do all the other applications, okay? For those of you who are honest enough to see the brokenness of your parents and admit it, I want to ask you this question. Why does it hurt so badly? You know, why did it hurt so badly to be shamed by your parents? Why did it hurt so badly to be mistreated by your parents? Why did it hurt so badly to feel that you could never do enough for your parents? Why did it hurt so badly when your parents disappointed you or criticized you or ignored you? Why did or does it make you so angry and frustrated? I want to suggest to you this. It hurts so badly because even though in us it is warped by sin, all of us carry around a sense of should in our lives. And hopefully you know what I mean. When you use the word should or ought, whether you realize it or not, you're appealing to a standard, okay? And all of us were hurt by our parents because we realize in some sense the love, the care, the nurture, the grace, the integrity, the gentleness, the acceptance our parents should have shown us. It was a pretty radical thing when Jesus was walking around And he was saying to people that we should call on the maker of all things, the God of of the universe, and we should call him Father. Not just our Father, but Abba Father, Papa, Daddy. Right? He's the one Father who will never let you down, who will love you through thick and thin. He's the one Father who has bound himself to his people in a covenant of care and unconditional love. He's the one father who can heal you with his grace. He's the one father who will never betray, never disappoint, and never mistreat you. 
See, if you want to honor your parents, trust this father and trust your life to him. And then you will begin to be able to respect and to care for and forgive your earthly parents. Trust this father and you will begin to grow up in him. Last little thing here. Probably 20 years ago, I was in Colorado and I was at this function listening to a speaker who happened to be a counselor. And I've been unable to forget what this counselor said. Um, He said that he had done a lot of counseling for couples who had adopted children. And he said that all of these parents in his counseling office eventually found themselves struggling over one question. And that one question was, how are we going to go about telling our child that he or she was adopted? And as, as a counselor, he let these people work this out in his office, right, and come to their own conclusions about what they would tell their adopted sons and daughters. And, and he said probably unsurprisingly, nearly every couple came to tell their child just about the exact same thing. It was something like, out of all the children, we chose you. We wanted you. Out of all the children, that's how special you are. Now, there's this great place in Galatians where Paul writes this. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, Paul says, but a son. Now, this is God. He owns everything, the cattle on a thousand hills and all that stuff. But he so wanted you as his sons, as his daughters, that he sent his own son to die for you to welcome you into his family, to become the father you know you are meant to have. Trust this father, and you will begin to honor the parents he gave you. Let's pray together. Our almighty God, it is so good for us that we can come to you in prayer and call you our father. Father, we pray that you would Forgive all of us for the way we have mistreated the parents you have given to us. For the ways we have not treated our parents with the respect that is due them. For the ways in which we have not cared for them. For the ways in which we have nursed bitterness and not forgiven them. For the ways in which we have refused to grow up. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would pour out your grace upon us. That you would allow us this morning to remember that we indeed are far more broken than we could ever imagine. But because of Jesus, you have brought us into your family. And you call us your sons and daughters. And in Jesus we find ourselves to be more loved, more secure, more accepted, 
more approved of, more loved, more valued than we could have ever dreamed possible. So we pray that the good news of the gospel would indeed transform us, that the good news of the gospel would propel us into this command in order that we might keep it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.